Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another fabulous episode of the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Matt. Dun 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 dun. Oh, who's that? Dun, 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 dun. And I am Casey. Who's joining me today? <laughs> How's everyone doing? Oh man. Oh man, it's what what an iconic song there. All right, Matt, I gotta ask, what are you eating? Because you didn't bring enough for everybody. Yeah, I, I just realized I took a bite of something, and that was the worst <laughs> idea ever. I just it, it mindlessly did it. Like, and, and mind you, all I, you like, all, can, I'm recording you a all podcast. Can, Why am I eating? You can hear him chewing. I'm actually watching him chew whatever it is that he's chewing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And I'm like, dude, come on, I'm starving. I haven't had lunch yet. Like, what's the deal, man? I'm, I'm so sorry. That was. I'm eating beef jerky. Um, oh, God, yeah, that's good to have while you're on the pod. Jeez. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of, of a transition here, uh, but uh, I don't well, have one. Indy, so, Indy uh, you know, food when he goes on his adventures. That's a transition, kind of. I don't know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, all right. So we Very are, loose, but we'll take it. We are talking Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And, and I know what you're thinking. You're going, Casey. Matt, that's not Disney. Well, yeah, as of, um, well, 2012, it is. Uh, 2012 was the year that Disney bought um, uh, Lucasfilm and uh, the Indiana Jones franchise fell into its capable uh, and loving hands. And I will say even before that, Disney has had some history with Indiana Jones having the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular at Disney's Hollywood Studios, uh, basically since it opened or maybe a few years after it opened. So uh, it absolutely is Disney. And even if it didn't have those things, Matt, I would say Indiana Jones, the entire franchise, is a great example of what Walt Disney would have stood for. Great storytelling, great character development, great villains, great action, great romance, comedy. Like, that's what Disney has always done well, and Indiana Jones is a great example of that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, this is a... This is a... I would say... Uh... Hmm, how do I how do I how do I say this while still giving credit to the Indiana Jones franchise? It's I don't think it's as, on the level of like, um, hmm, I, I don't think it's as on the level of like a Star Wars, Marvel, something like that. But in terms of like iconic franchises that that I would say even people who have never seen the movie have a passing uh you know idea of what's going on this makes the list like yes, th there's some yes. there's some classic things that you can know it's like oh yes i understand that that is from indiana jones absolutely no i think you're 100 i thought you were going in like a different direction from a almost a a, a quality and or um story perspective but you're right from a from a known perspective from a reputation perspective yeah it's probably nowhere near what a star wars or what you know in today's day and age marvel would be that said it definitely has a secured spot in franchise history in movie history and, oh, yeah. and honestly the fact i think what i think about it is 
I don't know about you, but I think of Steven Spielberg as like the quintessential movie director. Like there's, there are certain tentpole directors out there and, and I know Steven Spielberg didn't direct this one, but Steven Spielberg basically is what started this franchise. And Steven Spielberg, he's a tentpole quintessential movie director. When you think about some of the most poignant movies in your life, Steven Spielberg, it directs some of them. Uh, again, Jurassic Park being it's, one of them, Indiana Jones being one of them. There, there's some also like non comedic ones as well like more if i'm not mistaken he did uh schindler's list as well so um you know i i, I believe so et yeah like i'm trying to i'm trying to pull You're up his, the list uh, up um, was... yeah so like, saving private ryan minority report catch me if you can uh uh, uh let's see uh uh close encounters of a third kind jaws mm-hmm. jaws um, how, how can i forget it, it, jaws come on now <laughs> Yeah, you right. you are you are right on Schindler's list. Um, okay. Like, I mean, and and I'm just scratching the surface. Like, I yeah. mean, you, you're right that this this is a guy who has taken some he has of, shaped uh, multiple yeah. generations in terms yes. of their entertainment experiences. Yeah. So so that's why we're covering this. Is not only is it in the Disney library, and this particular movie is um was under the Disney umbrella, but in in the long run, um. D- Indiana Jones and Disney have had a relationship for a very long time. Harrison Ford and Disney have had a relationship, you know, with Star Wars. So I think that's why we're covering this. And I know when I pitched the idea to you, you were like, oh, that's that's exciting. Let's do that. That sounds like a fun idea. Um, So before we get into the movie, uh, you and I really haven't talked a whole lot about your maybe interactions with past Indiana Jones movies. And I briefly scratched the surface with mine the last time we talked. So let's just talk about that real quick. Like what is your history with the Indiana Jones franchise, Matt? So uh, this is going to be a very boring story. I saw them in my teens. Mm-hmm. I thought they were very fun and cool and enjoyed, you know, understanding some of the pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to Disney World, I think the Indiana Jones stunt show spectacular is is one of those great like, you know what? I've been walking around for a while. I need mm-hmm. to get in the shade. I want to sit down. Great option for that. Always wowed by the show. Um, and in Disneyland, the actual, you know, the ride, I, I, I'm sure if there was a actual ride there at Disney World, I would have written it over and over and over. Um, I will tell you, the ride at Disneyland is a pretty awesome ride. Um, we wrote yeah. it last year and it, it's one of those rides. The wait time's not horrible. Like when we were there, I think like especially when wait times ballooned elsewhere in the park, like I think we rode that ride four or five times. Like it, it's a fun yeah, ride. Yeah. It's a really fun ride. Yeah. Um, um but I yeah. wouldn't say like I I went through an Indiana Jones phase or I like was I I, I think I just they they were they're very they're very very fun films and so it's very easy and the type of film that I personally like. So it's not a surprise that I saw them enjoyed them and went, "Oh yeah, I mean, I have my favorites um but um uh and my not so favorites, but uh I mean overall I don't think there's there's a whole lot of difference between all of the movies. They all kind of have a, a similar formula that you can that you can follow. I, I will say so. So my experience, very similar to yours, um, I think part of it is, Matt, 
you and I are of the millennial generation and you're a younger millennial than I am. I'm, I'm on the tail edge of the millennial slash Gen X, but true Gen Xers grew up with this franchise. If you were a child yeah. of the late seventies, if you were born, let, let's say really 75, even early seventies, let's say 73 onward. So you're Gen X, like clear Gen X, uh, even 70 onward. I'd say 70 be good because if you were born in 70, the first, of these movies came out in 81. So my problem is, is yeah. I actually have never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know that sounds absolutely bonkers that I've never seen it being the Dang. original, Ooh. but I've never seen it. I, I know everything there is about it. I've seen I've seen more than enough to know the storyline, but it comes out two years before I was born. It comes out, what, nine years before you were born? You were born in what year? 90, yeah. So I mean, yeah. yeah so yeah, nine, nine years, years before yeah. you were born. And then even Temple of Doom comes out in 84. So I'm only a year old when Temple of Doom comes out, still uh, six years before you. Uh, my first foray into Indiana Jones, believe it or not, was Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom on TNT, the TV edited version of it. Yeah. Right. So Kali Ma wasn't nearly as Kali Ma as it should be. Right. So, so, but. So that was like, I remember watching that with my dad. I remember going, this is really interesting. I remember the snakes. I remember him reaching into that hole and grabbing the bugs or whatever, right? And then somewhere yep. along the line, I heard there was this other movie called The Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And by that point, I want to say I was probably into my early college years before I saw Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I, I, you know, let's say 2001 or 2002 when I, I think I caught glimpses of it again on TNT or TBS, but it wasn't until I, I think the box set came out. Actually, I think that's what happened is I think there was a box DVD set that came out in 2001. That was like the 20th anniversary edition of, and, and they put all three movies together and I ended up buying them. I actually own Raiders of the Lost Art, but never watched it. But I remember sitting down and watching the last crusade and going, Oh, th this is a really fun movie. And I remember thinking how, how lighthearted it was. And so then of course, 2008 comes around and, and we'll talk kingdom, of the crystal skull in a second, because I think, I think the first three deserve probably some more conversation before we kind of get into that, that next era, if you will. Of the three yeah. movies, uh, Matt, do you have a particular favorite? I know you said that they kind of all feel the same to you. I might disagree with you a little bit, but I want to hear. Do you have a um a favorite? Yeah, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. I okay. I, I I love that movie. Uh, part of it is I think the face melting scene in 1981. Um, <laughs> it you know, still technology just it, it it holds up, but it also is really funny to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, let me just say this, and this is in general for today's conversation as well. There really is nothing more delightful than seeing Nazis getting like their Amen, just, brother. Like, yes. like, like, like just, Get their just, butts kicked, man. I know, I know this is a work of fiction. I know like all of this is but but man, it just it just feels good. Like and the it just way feels they, nice. And the way they do it too is such a comedic it's almost like they know that you're actually sitting there and you're enjoying those punches and those kicks and watching those Nazis just get their behinds handed to them. I completely agree with you on that. that I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because it, one thing I noticed about when watching the fifth one is that they, they still can do like the one punches just feel kind of funny. Yeah. Like you you kind of just like, just blurt out like, <laughs> you know, it just, it's funny. There's a, there's a camp campiness to it that, 
makes it just it, it doesn't I think that's the thing that has made the Indiana Jones movies so special throughout the years is that they've never really taken themselves serious seriously but at the same line they're not full-on comedy it's not like a uh um uh monty python type humor there's just a campiness about it you wouldn't say man i really want to watch a comedy tonight let's watch raiders of the lost no no Um, (laughs) you know what it kind of it's kind of like national treasure before national treasure like national yeah. treasure in a lot of ways national treasure is an extension of this type of genre i'd say the italian job is an extension of this kind of genre maybe an updated version of it um uh heck even maybe oceans is a good comp because you've got yeah. the whole like archaeology yeah. type thing yeah yeah absolutely now you had yeah. said you had said that the of the three they kind of all were similar followed a similar arc what i would say and where i would disagree with you on is temple of doom clearly of the three takes a much darker turn there are comedic moments in there yeah, and yeah and and short round is absolutely spectacular and oh my god the reunion between the actor who plays him and harrison ford oh, at, yeah. the, at the at the awards show was just awesome but that said it does take a little bit darker of a tone and and everything i've read about that that was on purpose that was that was kind of like steven spielberg didn't want to have to fight the nazis again ironically he wanted to set it differently so this ended up in an it wasn't until this year I was almost 40 years old that I realized that Temple of Doom was a prequel. I I, I don't know how I didn't yeah. know that. How I mean, because it doesn't really it, say that. It's not like like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where it kind of makes that known. Well, and ha- if you had never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you wouldn't really know that either. That's true. Um, like you would just kind of jump into Temple of Doom and be like, yeah, this movie is set in this time period. Here it is. Um, yeah. and, and the time period thing I do think is very interesting because even all the way up through Dial of Destiny, it's not set in modern day. No. Which also gives it, I think, an idea of uh, it makes it feel different because they're not trying to ground it in today's reality. Yes. And so you can kind of have a little bit more fun because you're not on the like, well, how did he get on a flight if he's wanted for murder? Yeah, it was the sixties. You could easily do that. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, just, uh, it's almost like when you think when you look at these movies. That I think that's what makes these movies stand the test of time. I mean, the fact that Raiders of the Lost Ark is just celebrated as you know forty forty second anniversary and you can still watch it or temple of doom separating its 39th anniversary right the fact that you can still watch these and and they stand up to movies of today in fact they surpass some movies of today part of it's because not only are they comedies not only are they action adventures not only are they romance but they're also period pieces in some regard so you're able to look at them and you're right there's no you don't have to it's not hard to suspend your disbelief if you will can I give you a comp? Sure. The Pirates franchise is kind of how I feel yeah. about the Indiana franchise, Indian Jones franchise. You're having a great time. You're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna walk in. You're gonna have a great time. Yeah, like it's gonna be fun. You're, you're a little bit less so with Pirates, but it's a little bit of a period piece type mm-hmm. thing where you've well, got more you know, of a period piece than anything. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, I, I think Indiana Jones really grounds itself in a period, whereas Pirates franchise has kind to of, ground itself in a period. I because gotcha. Gotcha. You, 
It'd be yeah. weird to do Pirates of the Caribbean in 2020. You know, that that would just be strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're both kind of have this like period piece t- thing. And there's going to be a little bit of ridiculousness that happens that you're just okay with happening because you're having a great time. Yeah, like you can do action adventure without the comedy. I mean, again, and you can be very successful with it. I mean, Lord of the Rings is a very much an action adventure fantasy type franchise there's not a lot of humor in that at all i mean it's fun it's a very entertaining franchise i love lord of the rings but there's not a lot of humor in there same with harry potter it's action it's adventure it's family friendly it's it's fantasy but again it's not the comedy is it's like the wit the the sharp jabs the the again i don't even think it's it's the 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 campiness of indiana jones is what makes indiana jones what it is and I think others have tried to replicate it, but even the comps that we've talked about, Pirates, um, a, a National Treasure, they don't quite duplicate it. They 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 use a similar formula, but it's not duplicated by any means. Yeah, I like I don't know how to describe to you in words. Like I, I know I talked about this. Well, like how how they make the punch feel really funny. Yes. I, I I don't I don't well, know how to describe it's it to like, you. It's like it's like in a lot when I say campiness, I think the ultimate campiness is the Batman series of the 1960s. Pow. It's kind it's kind yes. of got that feel without the the words on the screen. It's it's almost like yeah, exactly. It, it's almost like Indiana Jones is being ripped straight from a comic book in a lot of ways. Like that that's kind of how I feel. And not like comics you know the the superhero comics it's it's like a it's almost like you're turning the page to what's next what's next what's next you know it, yeah. it, you know what yeah. actually did a really good job in duplicating it was the uh, the jungle cruise that was a similar feel yeah i think they have yeah a similar that's feel. a good yeah that's a good uh that's a good comp as well like again just having a good time you've got this period piece um, you're on an adventure, you know, a race against the clock, to, a race against another, you know, group for this artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, inevitably you all get tangled in and it, it's, it's, yeah, it's just it, like, I, I don't know how to describe it as it's a good, it's a really good time, but I do think that the first three have a distinct feel to them. Yes. And, and then the sequels come along and have still have the same feel, but I think push the boundaries of the franchise a little well, bit. Well, okay, so so yeah, so let's let, let's dive into number four at this point. So here we are, you know, basically what is twenty year twenty years removed, nineteen years removed from the Last Crusade, which. By the way, you mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark was your favorite. Last Crusade is my favorite. I just, I love Sean Connery. I've always loved Sean Connery. So it is hard I, to beat Sean Connery. It, it is. It is. <laughs> I, 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 there's a movie with him and um, I think it's Catherine Zeta Jones called, um, oh, wow, darn it. What's it called? The, the two of them are in, and I can't remember the name of it, but I, he's just phenomenal in that. So, and to have James Bond as, you know, like the, the Indiana senior, come on. Anyway. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so. Spielberg was always supposed to do five films. He basically signed a five film or, or agreed to do five films in the franchise. But after Raiders of the Lost Ark, for whatever reason, they kind of took a break. I don't want to say they took a break from the franchise because you mean they Last brought, Crusade? Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm to say. Last Crusade. They, yeah, I mean, okay, they had, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, they had 
they had young Indiana Jones, the, the Chronicles of, of Indiana Jones, you know, on TV. So they, they, they kind of went in a, it's almost like they went in the direction of, of like a Disney plus or a streaming, but back at then it was network TV or cable TV yeah. that had, um, uh, Phoenix, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh goodness! Uh, play, playing the part of young Indiana Jones. It'll remind. It'll come to me in a minute. Joaquin Phoenix. Wa- no, was it Joaquin Phoenix? Sorry, hold on, hold on. What was his name? Like, wait, what? Maybe it wasn't Joaquin Phoenix. No, I'm. I'm so glad uh, we have the internet. We don't have to remember. These I things. know. I know. Where is his name? Young Indiana Jones Chronicles had. Why am I no? I swear there was a. Oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> like a famous person that we know? I, I thought, I thought it was. Jerky to fill this void while you're looking? <laughs> maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of who played the young Indy in, uh, uh, in Last Crusade. Who played him? River Phoenix. Okay, so I got it screwed up. River, oh, okay. Phoenix, River Phoenix played younger Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. Unfortunately, River Phoenix ended up taking his own life, and it was it was mm. a horrible situation. But the young Indiana Jones Chronicles came out in 92 and went until 93, and again, chronicled Indy as a young child um, and kind of getting into, you know, adventures, as you would probably imagine. He was played by yeah. um, uh, Corey Carrier... Uh, ages eight to ten, Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, when he was ages oh. sixteen to twenty-one. Um, Sean Patrick, you might know him from the Boondock Saints. Uh, he was he yeah was yeah. I was like, I've heard that name before. Yeah, yes. so that's where he played in that. Um, and, and actually, um, Harrison Ford also appeared in one episode in season two as well, and he even appears as an um George Hall plays him at 93 and 94 years old in episode six and episode 20 um, episode six of season one and episode 20 of season two. So you kind of get Indiana Jones all the way around, which is kind of exciting, but they stopped wow. doing the movies. All right. So all this to say is this 2008 kingdom of the crystal skull, skull comes out. And the idea is Harrison's going to pass the torch. They bring in Shia LaBeouf this character of Mutt, um, who is, we don't, I, I mean, we kind of know it, but he's basically introduced as Indiana's child, Marion's child. Um, Marion was very notably absent from Temple of Doom. Well, Temple of Doom was, bef- again, prequel, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but from uh, uh, Last Crusade. So she makes a return in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but universally Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, while it grossed $791 million, was just like universally panned like it a lot of people absolutely hated this movie what was your take on it so i i think this is where i talk about pushing the boundaries where like okay in the first film temple um temple or um uh raiders of the lost ark it's the ark of the covenant that yeah. and um you know they open up and the spirits come out and the face melt off and in temple of doom he's rescuing you know this village of children in last crusade they're looking and, for the and, holy and don't grail. forget like, he also he, he 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 takes a guy's heart out for crying out loud come on i mean like y- yes, yeah so yes. i mean so I there, mean, there's you know. always <laughs> a level of supernatural something in these movies right so there's always there, there's, yeah there's yeah. there's a level of yeah there's, yeah there's some religious. supernatural so i mean it, it, like, Yes, yes, but it, it the the supernatural I guess feels a little bit more 
it feels more grounded, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is, is the best way I can describe it. It feels more realistic, even though, again, like faces melting because the art of the Ark of the Covenant. I'm a religion major. I'm pretty sure there's not really much in the Bible about that. But, you know, I'm I'm willing to be proven wrong, I guess. I think um, I think what they are when you say grounded, I, goes... I, I think grounded is good. Gr- gr- what you said about grounded, I think, is smart, because I think all three of those are at least based in some true mythology, true, true historical thought process of man. I mean, like take last crusade, like the idea of finding the cup of Christ to be able to have, to, to be able to live forever. That's that. I mean, crying out loud, that does literally go back to, you know, King Arthur and that, that idea, that mythology. So I think that yeah. I, I totally see what you're saying where like this yeah. one, man, like jumps the shark for crying out loud. I mean, again, spoiler alert for this 2008 film um, it involves <laughs> aliens. Yeah. Like you're looking at aliens and um, while you still have all the it still feels like an Indiana Jones film. I think this one was so far, far out there that that's why it was panned. Now, yeah. I am I. I'm not in the camp that pans this one. It's definitely not my favorite. Mm hmm. But I still think from an Indiana Jones film, it it's very fun. Um, I see what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to reboot this franchise with now the next Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf was going to take on the moniker and they were going to now create another, you know, 15 movies and a TV show. And, you know, it, it, I think that was the point. But then it really just fans just didn't like it and and some of that may have been we've talked about this with star wars some of it may just may have been it wasn't what i what it was when i was a kid and ironically ironically we talk about it like it was and fans talk about it like it's just you know it's the weakest link in the franchise and frankly it is the weakest link in the franchise but when you look at like critics reaction and the critical response like it's got a 6.9 6.9 out of 10 on on um uh, uh rotten tomatoes 77%. So it's not like absolutely horrendous and like even then like yeah. on cinema score it's got a B out of an A plus to F scale. So I think it goes along with what you just said. It's not this horrendous movie even though I think that's how a lot of fans think about it because when you hold it up against the other at that point 3 in the franchise it is clearly lackluster in that regard, but so was Temple of Doom when it came out. When Temple of Doom came out, it was not the Indiana Jones that um, you know people were used to with Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, in a lot of ways, it also got a lot of of problematic um, reviews, and later became a little bit more of a favorite as fans tru- truly digested it. Fun fact about Temple of Doom: Did you know this about Temple of Doom and the rating scale? No. So Temple of Doom, fun fact about that movie. Um, the reason why we have a PG-13 rating is because of Temple of Doom. Um, when they were going to make a decision to give it either an R or a PG, they, they because of some of the, the more graphic stuff in that movie, they said, we can't give this a PG, so we're going to give it an R. And the studio fought and was like, we can't give this movie an R. Like, you know, is there something in between? And because of that, PG-13 came around interesting isn't that fun i didn't know that yeah all right anyway so so the other thing i think to talk about with kingdom the crystal skull 
And I think the thing I'm realizing real quick, Matt, is this is becoming probably less about Dial of Destiny and more just about the franchise as a whole. But that's eh, okay. You know, well, I'm, you know. I'm, yeah. Um, I think the other thing with King of the Crystal Skull, and I think the reason why maybe it has a little bit more of a soft landing versus just a straight on bomb is because up until you realize that there are aliens in the third act, because I do believe it waits until the third act to kind of identify that yeah. there were actual aliens. It actually is a pretty good story. You've got the Russians as the enemy. You've got this, I think it's the ancient yeah. Aztecan uh, empire, if I'm not mistaken. Like there truly are like th this archeological like storyline. And it's not until the third act that the aliens come along and you're like, Oh, <laughs> you know Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. uh. What's happening? What's going on? I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, you're you're right. Like the first two, it, it, it had they like said aliens right off the bat. I think people would have been like, oh boy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I even that's a little bit like what five was. I think as well that if, if you're not liking five, I, I think you maybe not be liking it for the same reasons. And it's the same thing. It doesn't start jumping the shark and really going absolutely bonkers until that third act. The rest of it feels very tight. Indiana it feels Jonesy. tight. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's shift gears now. So we're going to get into five here, Dial of Destiny. Um, before we get into that plot though, I want to just have a quick discussion about like, where was your head at? Like, I did a I didn't do a lot of research in terms of like how they were going to bring past stories into this. Yeah. And I was really curious to know whether they were going to do a retcon and just like not include four at all. Like they would have been well within their rights to include or to not include four whatsoever. I mean, a lot of movies have done it. A lot of movies have just yeah. said we're going to skip past this events they didn't happen. Here's but I were like, were you hoping they would have done that? Were you expecting them to do that? Were you expecting them to include or did you not have any expectations at all? I really kind of came in with zero expectations on this film. Okay. Like I, it was one of those movies that I saw was coming out and had come out. And I was like, oh, that'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see that at some point. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm doing all this research and I'm watching every single trailer and breaking it down and all it, like it, it just that's just I, I just kind of went in. It's exactly how I went in when when I went to go see the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which is why I gave that comp. I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to have a fun two hours. Yeah. And that's kind of how what I walked into it with. Yeah, I, I, I walked in, I think, slightly with the expectation. And again, I think part of this is because I had the misconception that four had bombed and they they wanted to distance themselves from it. But again, looking at the results, that that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. So so I kind of walked in with one expectation and I was absolutely pleasantly surprised to see how they wove the needle between all four movies that came before this. There yeah. were references to all four movies, whether again, it was Temple of Doom and drinking the blood when he talks about that, or uh, again, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He has the picture of his dad. Um, uh, I, there's a real quick scene in his, in his apartment where he's got a picture of his dad and a picture of Mutt next side by side next to each yeah. other and then like 
to understand that him and Marion, spoilers alert, guys, him and Marion are separated and basically on the verge of divorce. And you hear him say, my son was killed, which what I think would have been in the Korean War at that point. I don't think it would have been I, Vietnam. Yeah, he's they say Vietnam in there. But, but I, this is in so, the 60s, though. I don't think that could have been. It was 69, so it wasn't... Was I mean, it Vietnam was a long time. Vietnam War. Yeah, I believe this is set in 1969. Oh, I guess So, yeah, it right. would have been... Okay, I guess it would have yeah. been early... Yeah, it would have been smack he, dab in the middle. He would have, yeah, he would have been killed in the early vestiges or maybe the middle vestiges of the Vietnam War. But, like, suddenly you hear him, you know, utter that, that his, his son was killed. And then you realize, wait, he's talking about Mutt. He's talking about Shia yeah. LaBeouf's character. I have a question for you. Um, do you think, do you think, I think part of the reason why Crystal Skull in the plans after Crystal Skull might have petered out has something to do with Shia LaBeouf's kind of like erratic <laughs> stardom. <Do> Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think had Shia LaBeouf kind of remained normal i'm sorry shia but what what are you doing dude if you you, you think he again i don't want to make light if he if there's a true like mental thing going there with yeah him, no 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 let's it, leave it that i don't know if there is i don't know if he's been diagnosed but i just know as far as i can tell he kind of went in a really different direction with his life than i think a lot of people would have thought he would have do you think had he stayed more mainstream and and in that limelight do you think they would have gone a different direction I mean, but his, that was the initial plan, the handoff? Or do you think there was enough outcry like, no, no, we're not letting true Indiana go, you know, Harrison Ford? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think Harrison Ford is too tied to this role. And I, I, I get what they were trying to do is in pushing it into a new generation mm -hmm. and having a new generation of people fall in love with it. But here, here's what I here's what I think is with things like this. You don't always need to extend it for the new generation to get involved in it. True. Um, like having four and five out there now makes it so Gen Xers with their kids or grandkids mm -hmm. can say, ah, I went to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was a kid. Come on, we're going to go see Dial of Destiny. And if you if you didn't have Indiana Jones, if you didn't know anything about Indiana Jones, you can follow this storyline. Like oh, yeah. this is like a, oh, like I have to understand all this stuff in order to to hop into it. And so then you can go back and watch those. Those films still exist and you can still be in engrossed in them. I think the idea that like, oh, we have to have this for a new generation, so we need all these new films, we're gonna get a new Indiana Jones. It's like we don't we don't need that. Yeah. Um and and I think that was kind of the I, I think probably it was a little bit of a of a um two part thing with exactly the things that you said. It was Shia LaBeouf's career kind of I think Shia LaBeouf in 2008 was like he was supposed to be the next big. Actor. Oh, yeah. Well, he was coming off of fresh off of Transformers. Yep. He'd been in a couple a couple of those. Obviously, he had been in, the, you know, Disney Channel, you know, even Stevens like he 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 was definitely an up and comer. And then. I believe 
this was right around the advent of social media kind of started to pop up around 2010, 2011, and then really hit hard in 2012. The rumors started to circulate about how difficult he was on set. Then he did a couple of like independent films, one of which is just a really weird, not appropriate for this podcast to talk yeah. about. Um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know whatever ended up happening to him. I mean, I wish him well. Um, but you know, clearly he was not, you know, this just goes to show you that, you know, when, movies take chances on some of these actors they don't know what they're getting right yeah um you know i'm really glad you said what you did about gen x taking their kids too i think i think this goes back to what we talked about earlier this is one of those films i i almost wonder where you're right you don't have to pass the torch like there's no reason to have to pass the torch like some of these other movies have tried to do because when it's done well Okay, cool. Passing the torch, it feels right. But when it's not done well, you wind up with a movie like this, or you wind up with, a, frankly, a movie like Last Jedi, where you're trying to pass the torch to this next generation, where if you just accept it for what it is and, and you just move on, like for as much crap as the prequel series and Star Wars got, like they didn't try to pass the torch. Like there, it just was a new story. It, it just yeah, was it was what like, it here's was. Here's the prequels. <laughs> and so like, I feel like Indiana Jones is one of those franchises that literally you can sit down and watch any of the five and you don't have to know anything else about what was going on in the previous movies at all. And you can figure it out and you can figure it out. And it's just a fun two to two and a half hours of your time. Right. Yeah. In this movie, I agree with you. It fits that bill. I walked in knowing that I wasn't a huge fan of crystal skull, knowing that I enjoyed the first three, knowing that this was probably going to be Harrison Ford's last hurrah with Indiana. And I just kind of went into it going, I want to have some fun with this. I I, I have no, yeah. ex- and honestly, that feels really nice sometimes comparative to when you go into like a Marvel movie and you've got to remember all this backstory stuff and like what's going well, on. Well, And here, you do here, come here. in with the, and with Marvel now, you come in with these high expectations yeah. of how is this going to progress the greater narrative? Um, you know, how does this connect into this? How does this connect into this? Is this going to set up the next three films? Is this going? Am I going to see this character? Am I going to mm-hmm. see this? There, there is a little bit more baggage. You're looking for it. Easter eggs, and like it's yeah. just, yeah. Well, I, honestly, this year we have seen a lot. I think Nate and I have seen more movies this year than I have combine the last three the fact that i've been in the theater two nights in a row and uh, let me say this this is we don't we're probably not talking about either of these films in this podcast but the amount of people that were there to see the barbie movie and oppenheimer was astronomical like the theater was hopping you mean barbenheimer barbenheimer yes that's that's the main (laughs) barbenheimer uh i do plan to go see barbie i know that sounds crazy but apparently it's a really good movie and i do plan to go see oppenheimer (laughs) yeah and i plan to go see oppenheimer like why not like like i'm actually i think barbie is side note i think barbie is one of those movies that we need right now and i think dial of destiny was too to some degree we just need something to just go into and just forget the world for two hours and just have like, I don't know, like just watch Indiana Jones punch a Nazi in the face. Like it's just, just, we can all agree that feels good. It's just brain candy for a little bit. Like, like give your brain a rest from all this other stuff going on. And by the way, I did, we did research. It is not, it is, it is okay. While the strike is going on to go see a movie, you're, you're not somehow like, 
given the studios more money or whatever, like some of these writers and actors and all this stuff, um, Remember, they make residuals too. They make money yeah. off of. So, like, if you don't go, you're also shorting them as well. So, uh, it is it is good. You can. We looked at it. We looked it up, and 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 SAG says yes. Go see movies. Yeah, go do it. <laughs> All right. So, about the movie itself, we're 41 minutes into this pod, and we haven't even really talked about the movie. Yeah, it, we'll probably title this episode more like the Indiana Jones yeah, franchise yeah. So, rather I mean, than Die yeah. of Destiny. I mean, I mean, overall. How I mean, how did you feel about this? Like, like, were there parts that you liked? Were there parts that you didn't like with the movie? Um, I mean, it definitely gets out there. Um, however, I will say, um, um, I, I like it. I like the setup. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like that you know that 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 the the whole like train you you are dropped right into the action. Oh, like, absolutely, no, you are. Yeah, there's no like ramping up. Like it's all right. Here we go. Um, I. I I thought there was one too many chase scenes. I oh my god, same. It felt like they were always chasing one another. Like there was I just, always I just like, one oh, less. Yes. <laughs> like they were good and they were really oh, well yeah. done. But I felt like it was like exposition. It's it's like chase scene, exposition, chase scene, exposition, chase scene, exposition. Like I think there were four or five of them in there and it was like at a certain point I'm like stop 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 like i i'm over it like yeah I, i'm with you on that one too i do like how they set up indy's friend um um uh, what was his name i'm trying to think what his name was here. basil no no not that one the the one no, basil um uh, phoebe uh, helena's father um oh um yeah basil no yes <laughs> hold on hold on Toby Jones's character. Now you got me. Hold on. Oh, I guess it was Basil. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the other one, the one that came back. Salah. Salah. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of the Egyptian. Yeah, no, you're right. I liked how they set Basil up. I liked liked that. I liked how they, they, they drop you right in the middle of the action. This is a guy you've never seen before, right? But suddenly you feel, you feel connected to him in some way. And I think the reason why I felt connected is I think in a lot of ways he was kind of playing a substitute part of Indy's dad. Like, 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 like the, he, he, he almost like is dropped in as, uh, uh, you know, Indy's longtime father figure when Indy's father passes away. And so he's able to rely on him and talk to him and all that stuff. I like that. Like, you don't have to think too critically hard about the fact that Helena's his goddaughter. Like that, yeah. that makes sense. Like, it's just, it kind of like, you know, we talked about a lot about character development last week on Elemental. I think in this case, like, you don't question the character development, even if you don't know it. Like, it, it just is. It just is what it is, you know? Yeah, um, it, it, there, there's a good development there. But, yeah, yeah that, that's really my only criticism. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're chasing people. And, oh, mm-hmm. what vehicle are we doing this in this time? <laughs> Would you agree that this one feels, of the three originals, this one has more of a last crusade vibe to it than it yeah. does raiders or a temple of doom yes yeah 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 it, 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 it definitely has that and then it has the fantastical like just out there-ness of kingdom of the crystal skull where yeah. you, you you find out again spo- this one i actually will put a spoiler alert out because this one film is recent now um you know that this whole thing is this dial can predict a temporal fissure i believe mm-hmm. is the, the that and and you can go through that and um and 
supposedly wind up in different parts of history. But what you later find out is that Archimedes set it up to only go back to his time period. Which I think, I I do think one of my favorite scenes of the movie where Indiana Jones is is telling the main guy, like, listen, like, you, you didn't, this continental drift, and he's clearly trying to bait him into not, you know, mm-hmm. but then it turns out that, oh, no, we're actually not in 1939, because, of course, you know, his whole plan is like, I'm going mm-hmm. to, which... I, 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 his plan, I was like, okay, I mean, that's a choice. Um, the idea of he like, definitely right, had the, he had the long play for sure, man. I'll yeah. Tell like I'm going to assassinate Hitler because I know how to, uh, uh, like, well, undo- he's, he's kind of playing, he's kind of playing like a, like, it's almost like a Biff Tannen type card from back to the future, right? Like, like he's got the playbook. He knows everything that's happened since. So now he can go back and just, you know, Pew pew by Hitler, you know. Like, he's a Nazi Biff. Yeah, <laughs> he's a Nazi Biff Tannen. I mean, that's basically what it comes out to. So he's like, pew pew, you're gone, Hitler. You know? And then he just takes over. Everyone's just like, oh yeah, sure, yeah. fine. You know, he, you know, I, I agree. I mean, but again, you have to suspend your disbelief. Oh yeah, I, that, that I, didn't I bother a, me that much. Right, I have a question for you. All right. Yeah, I get that they needed to bring Indy back to 1969 so that they could bring Marion in and kind of wrap up the Indy Marion whatever. But am I the only one that was kind of rooting to just let Indy stay there? Like that's been his life's work. He finally gets to just be in it for the you know for the however long he's got left. Like I want like I I really wanted his like I really thought that's where they were going to go and I thought Helena yeah. was just going to let him stay there and like to me, and I think part of this comes, there's there's a movie uh, back from the 1990s called um, Last of the Dogmen. Um, it's got, oh my goodness, something, uh, 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 what's his name? Bridges in it? I can't remember his last name. Jeff Bridges? Uh, I think it's Jeff Bridges, maybe. Hold on. Let me, I think that's right. La- last. I'll take another bite dog. of beef jerky while you're looking yeah. that up. Last of the Dogmen. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not Bridges. Tom Berenger's in it. Oh, that's very different. Tom, yeah, it's got Tom Berger and, and a whole other group of people in it. But anyway, this movie came out in 95. And it basically the premise behind this movie is that this guy, he's a ranger. He lives like on the outskirts of of like this really isolated wood area in the in the North North American woods. And there's a series of of campers going in that are basically getting butchered. And they end up finding this isolated native american tribe that has not been touched by the outside world and through a series of events they find themselves there they find themselves they gain the trust by the end of the movie spoiler alert i apologize but by the end of the movie the main characters uh the woman ends up living with them he the main character tom berenger has to come back and take care of some stuff and then finds his way around the mountains to get back in and ends up just living out the rest of his days there with them and staying away from the modern world I put that in there. First of all, it's one of my dad's favorite movies, but I put that in there because this has that vibe to it. Like if I were Indy, he's, you know, he's got nothing less left to live for. Mutt's dead. Marion's divorced him. We're going to be divorcing him. Like I would have felt probably more satisfied and maybe it's because I haven't seen Raiders. So I don't have the connection between the two of them, but I would have felt more satisfied if he got to live out the rest of his life in that ancient time, this period that he studied his entire life. Do, do, do you feel that way? Would that have worked for you? 
No, I, I like I like how they ended it where okay. like he comes back and um Helena kind of proves to him like, no, there's still people that care, care about, about you. you. And it's you know, now there's this character of Teddy the kid and um the his Egyptian friend and like there there's there's like this realization that like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, your your son's death is tragic, but also there's a lot of people here that that um that care about you and apparently you're not wanted for murder anymore. So Mm -hmm. um, we just all kind of went, Oh yeah, that's fine. Now (laughs) that was the only thing that I was wondering. I was like, wait, is he still wanted for murder? Are we, are we good? (laughs) What did you think of Teddy? Now that you brought him up, what what was your take on him? I wasn't a huge fan of him. Yeah. He was an underused character. um, And, and he was fine. Like, but he definitely was the like, um, Oh, we need someone to to fly this plane. I, Teddy can do that, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we need somebody to to do this, and we need someone to do this, and it, we just we just need we need like a kid in there, and that's kind there of were, the... there were like moments though of like I, I don't know I I agree we needed a kid in there to kind of some humor. Did you also find there were moments of like just odd storytelling or placement like like having the random guy sleeping in the plane with teddy and waking up as they go through the fissure like what was that like that made no sense to me at all like why have him in there i think that was an attempt at humor that's like this guy just unwittingly is in 200 you know bc (laughs) like ah! um but it just wasn't that funny no, it wasn't. I got clearly it wasn't. The, the the scary part about this is so this this particular movie cost anywhere between two ninety five to four hundred million to make. It's actually being quoted as one of, if not the most expensive movie ever produced at this point. One of them. Um, it's only grossed three hundred thirty five million at the box office. Um, you know, we talked about box office returns last week. You know that you know, opening weekends aren't what they used to be, but this is on track to probably not make back what it paid, what, what, what it cost. Do you, and again, I know we asked this question a lot, but like, are we in a different era or it like, is the era of box office smashes gone? Are we in kind of a weird standstill? Like, I don't know. I think we're seeing that it's going to be difficult to milk a franchise and have a guaranteed hit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, you know, cause that's what this is. That's what you're, you are hoping that the name recognition of Indiana Jones and the fan base that already is behind it drives an easy box office success. It's why companies like to make sequels um, over brand new things, because it's easier to predict of like, okay, we're going to make Toy Story 5. Why? Because we have box office returns from 1, 2, 3, and 4, plus all this other data that says Toy Story is going to, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be easy to convince people to go to the theater. Whereas if you do something like, I mean, you do something original like Elemental, you have to convince people based on like studio pedigree mm-hmm. that you want to go see this movie. And that's a little bit more difficult of a sell. Cause if I'm eight, I don't care who made the movie. I care about, are they characters that I like? And this is a movie that I like. So, and I, I I'm trying to think of some, like some, I feel like recently we've seen films that have been trying to like milk the last juice out of 
out of the out of um out of some kind of franchise that out of nostalgia, just the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore. Well, um, I mean, Little Mermaid live action, unfortunately, is one of the I mean, any of these live action movies that Disney has produced is going to be part of them uh, is part of that. I, I, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast um uh, I listen to this. I listen to the Pod Save America guys, um, and they have a whole bunch of podcasts. But one of the ones that John Favreau, that not the director John Favreau, different John Favreau, he uh, he has a, a podcast called Offline with John Favreau, and they just had an episode today that I listened to on kind of like when did we see this turn and how AI is going to affect the future of entertainment and and um. A, a lot of experts seemingly are painting this back to the Netflix first binge worthy TV show, which would have been the house of cards and okay. how Netflix completely upended traditional studio models of how TV and film are done and, and said, all right, we're going to film all of this at once and we're going to put it all out at one time. And we want to get as many hits as we can. And when they realize that that model works, they've tried it with a couple of their shows. And of course, other streaming services have also tried that. And what it used to be, at least with TV, was that you, you'd you have a couple, you'd have writers in a room, you'd have the showrunners in the room, and you'd get a couple, you get the pilot done, right? The, the studio would give the green light and then you get, you know, five or six shows ordered. They'd come out on a weekly basis and you'd look at the ratings kind of slowly going up or slowly going down. And you'd have a chance to kind of modify your writing style and your shooting style. And even in some cases, change out the actors if the actors were yeah. working out, right? Now with streaming, it's not like that. Now it's you get a couple of people in the room and you basically have to plan out the whole season. And even you in pitch some cases, it. multiple seasons. The whole arc. And then you have yeah. to pitch it. And then if if it doesn't, you know, you basically do this entire script. And if they don't like it, it never sees a light of day. Versus you don't ever get that pilot, if you will. Or in Netflix cases, it might go on. And if in the first 48 hours, it doesn't hit X number of viewers, they pull it. Like there's 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 all these weird metrics, which is one of the reasons why the strike is existing. Now, I understand that's TV shows. But if we kind of move that into the movie franchise, studios, the at, at a certain point when movies were being created, it was about the art form and about the storytelling at a certain point, And I don't know when this happened, but at a certain point it became the art form and okay, we can make a profit doing this as well. And then at some point in the near history that the past history, not, not too long ago, but at some point the art form became less important the story became less important and it became more about okay what's going to put the most people in the seats or how are we going to turn the most bucks and i think it some of that dates back to the blockbusters of the 1990s really and maybe even late because if you really look at movies in the 80s there were a lot of blockbusters it wasn't until like the mid 90s when you got the likes of like independence day and and things like that that's you know mission impossible and you know yeah. and, and like the, the it was the it was the it was the creation of the movies like the the blockbuster star not the movie star the, but the, the movie block that everyone was going to see and if you yes. missed it you were going to be lost at the water cooler talks the next exactly. day exactly and it became it be it became more about what's going to fill the seats than 
than what tells a good story. And I think you were still able to tell a good story, but as streaming has come along, now those good stories have been regulated or relegated to either independent studios or streaming services with very little compensation whatsoever. And so we're just, we're at a point now where studios don't want to take a chance on a new storyline. Like you said, Matt, if they think they've got a hit that they can squeeze one more dime out of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's what this film is. And, but I think if you turn it around though, you look at, the Barbie movie, yes, that's t- tapping into some nostalgia for from a toy, but also is a there's not fit. I mean, I guess there are fifty Barbie movies, but not in not in this sense. There's a bunch of animated ones, but they're not all connected and all this stuff. And then Oppenheimer is another one that that Christopher Nolan's taking the story of a of a historical figure and a big historical event and mm. really diving into because it's not just like oh look this guy created a nuke and we dropped it on Japan. It's it's dealing with the aftermath of that and how he felt about that and mm-hmm. how and, and like that's kind of like those types of stories people can connect with. So I, I think what we can prove is that you have the ability with some of these um, original type story arcs that you can you can tap into some nostalgia while also telling a new story and still have success. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And I think I think the studios have their formulas and their algorithms and their ways of determining this, but what they haven't quite and what they will never be able to truly put their hands around is the fact that the audience has a choice. And yeah. the audience has been saying for several years, and it's gotten louder and louder and louder enough with the remakes enough with the sequels for a little bit like it was you know here or there fine but it does feel like there was a a a facebook memory that popped up for me from a few years ago i think this was back when toy story was in the theater and it was like toy story was in the theater um uh it was like independence day was in the theater the new independence day one that came out a couple years ago and there's like two others and they were all franchise or sequels and it was like the 1990s called they want their movies back like that's that's like really what it felt like was like yes okay fine this is a guaranteed financial success for you but i think what they're starting to realize is okay maybe it's not a guaranteed (laughs) financial success anymore and so it'll it'll definitely be interesting these strikes are are still ongoing um, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. I'm hearing they could go at minimum till the end of the year, potentially. Yeah. So, but, and, and, and then it's going to be an interesting, what the next five, cause I mean, this is one of those things that even if they solve it by the end of the year, this is going to have some ripple effects and mm-hmm. what, what do movies look like for the next five to 10 years oh, yeah. off of this strike? I mean, given um, that we haven't seen a strike like this, literally a strike like this since the 1980s. This is going to dramatically change the landscape. Um, if you do you have it, do you have the do you have Max, the streaming service Max? I don't know. Okay. There's a for those of you who do, I there's a great you all know how I love documentaries. Matt wouldn't watch it anyway. He hates documentaries. Uh <laughs> hate them. <laughs> okay. There is a there is a four-part documentary. Um uh done by Leslie Iwerks actually on Max. Uh, 
about the history of the Warner Brothers company. It's they're celebrating their 100 years this year, just like Disney is. And it dates back. And what's cool is each of the four parts, I think it's four, it might be three, but each of the parts talks about the different era the, the golden age of Hollywood back when it was the studio system and, and, and actors and actresses were signed to the studios and then how that broke free. But basically it gets us, it literally gets us up to Barbie. They end on Barbie. That That's how recent oh, wow. this, this documentary is. I highly recommend it um, watching it on max because it really does give you kind of an idea of where we are at this moment in history comparative to other moments in history. We are at a fever pitch, whether or not you want to admit it or not, we are there. We are at a fever pitch. We are at a turning point where the, the future of what entertainment looks like in this world is going to change for everyone. And whether what you know in the future of AI and the future of how we get our entertainment and how people are compensated, how much we pay for it, Netflix um just raised their prices again. They're eliminating their basic ad free tier now at a minimum. If you don't want to want ads, it's fifteen dollars a month. Netflix used to be like four bucks a month. Yeah. So so I mean that just you know. The question you're going to have to ask yourself is what are you willing to pay for your entertainment and what do you consider entertainment and what does that look like? Um, the, the movie and TV industry is going through what journalism started to go through 10, 15 years ago and frankly is still going through. Well, cause it's just, there's so much, I mean, think about how much content is out there cause oh it's God. not just through movies and TV. I mean, I'm, we, we ourselves are content creators. Yeah, We are creating yeah. content right now. I have started a YouTube channel that you can go and watch videos that, yes. um, of me playing ticket to ride and other board games, my Monday it's, magic articles that go yes, out once a week. Like, that is content. You're it's right. Content. And so if you think about, but let's, let's even just eliminate it down to tv shows let's even take movies out of it mm -hmm. the amount of tv shows out there there are tv shows that i would like to watch that i just simply do not have time to get to i don't 100%. have time yep. i i i, I it, there's i i want like a perfect example i it's been on my list i want to watch the lord of the rings series that came out on amazon prime i haven't mm. because i just i i i've got 15 other series that I'm walking through plus all my daily life stuff. I'm like, I don't have time to sit down and commit to doing this. I will at some point, but it's not that I don't want to watch it. It's that it, unless, unless the, and honestly, and honestly, you can, shouldn't even, you shouldn't even say you will at some point, you might not ever actually get to it. I mean, I don't know what there, there, there will never be a period in time from this point forward, frankly, 20 years behind and forward where, there's never not content being created regardless. You, you, Nate and I are watching, I know 15 years later, we, we've just started watching Ugly Betty. <laughs> like, like literally 15 <laughs> years after the show came out, we're watching Ugly Betty of all things. And it's a hilarious show. And there are, there are, mo but you know what? At in the middle, here's the, here's the thing with content, Matt. It's like an old shoe, right? We have in our household, when we sit down at night, typically we will sit down around seven o'clock. I'll ask him, I say, what do you want to put on? Do you want to put on something that needs brain power or do you want something that's, we call it 
midnight. Midnight's our cue for it's almost bedtime. We don't want to think. So yeah. if it's brain power, it's typically a new episode of something, right? It's a new yeah. episode of, of, um, uh, how I met your father or the big bang theory or young Sheldon or now ugly Betty. Right. Or, uh, we've been getting into, um, Abbott elementary is another one we've been watching. It's a really fun. Yeah. Show. Yeah. If it's midnight, meaning that we're probably within an hour of bedtime, you know what it usually is? Golden girls. Yeah. I, I, it, well, it's, it's just in the background. I don't need to think about it. Golden girls, how I met your mother is another one. Superstore is another one that happens to be one because I can just relate to it. Like I've seen these shows a hundred times when I'm not with him. You know what my, my, my go-to is it's the West wing. Like right before I hopped on, I was watching 20 minutes of the West wing just cause I didn't want to use brain power. Like that's time I could have been using for other content, but no. Well, and, and it's the office friends are like, those are yeah. the, like, there are TV shows that people just, it's their, it's, it's a comfort food. It and is. so trying to convince people to invest in new content, I, I think it's, it's a little bit, um, this is maybe a bad comp. It's a little bit, I think what the car companies went through a while back where, you know, remember when general motors had, it was Chevrolet and GMC and Pontiac and Saab and this, and they had like eight different brands and all mm -hmm. of them had the same exact car. You could be yes. like, that's Pontiac's version of this. And then it just got too bloated. And so these companies, they had to like truncate and be like, all right, these are the brands now. And I almost think that's, that's what's going to have to happen with TV and movies is like, you're not going to be able to sustain all of these content. I do not have time to watch everything that Netflix, Amazon Prime, Max, Disney Plus, Peacock, Plus, insert mm -hmm. your uh, whatever streaming service here. I don't have time. The fact that Disney and Fox merged is proof in the pudding. The fact that there are talks, real or not, but I'd like to think that they are, that Apple might buy Disney is an example of that. Um Yes, I do believe it. And then, and then it raises another problem at that point, because then we get into the world of monopolies and, yep. and, and companies eating each other. And there, there could come a time where Disney, Fox, Apple are one company, Warner brothers, universal discovery are another company. I mean, I could very much see Warner brothers, discovery and universal all merging that they license each other's content all the time. Why yeah. wouldn't they? Then you got like the, the main streaming players, like the Amazons, maybe Amazon and Netflix team up, right? You know, now yeah. suddenly you've basically got three main players on the block that control all content. That's problematic in of itself, but from a user perspective, if, they can be well regulated. I would be willing to spend on three different services instead of seven, you know, yeah. or eight. And again, though, just because they've merged doesn't mean that the content's going to, you know, we're just, I mean, content, like when you think about the eras that humanity has lived through, I, I'm playing this game called civilization a lot on switch. I love civilization. Oh, I'm a, which, which one are you on? Uh, I'm I'm playing. I mean, six is buggy, but yeah, um, I played six. since four. Okay, I'm on six. I like six on the Switch. So so, but you know, you go from the ancient era to the classical era to the Renaissance era to the industrial era to the modern era to the information era, which is really what we're in right now. I would argue we actually probably at some point switched to like the social media era at some point. But I would 
argue that somewhere in here there's another era the content era and mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. that is the content social media era maybe that's what this is i don't know but people are saturated i, I man i don't know about you but there are days that i just get off work and i just I turn my radio off. I turn my podcast off. I open the windows and I don't do anything to listen to anything. I just, yep. Because it's too 100%. much. 100%. It's too much. I will 100% or I will listen to like, what song haven't I heard in a while? Yes, and I throw it yes. up on my phone. And, and, it, 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 but yeah, there's sometimes where I just go to work at maybe not the whole way, but like, you know what? Last 20 minutes, I just need some silence. Yeah. And like, I listen to a lot of political podcasts. I do. And the last 10 minutes on my way into work, sometimes I don't want the last thing I'm hearing it to be the divisiveness of the world or the geopolitical strategy yeah. of this or whatever. Um, or even frankly, I mean, I, I love our podcast and I love what we do, but even then, like, I don't, I don't want to hear us. Like sometimes I just turn it off and put a song on to ramp me, yeah. ramp me up for the day. Right. So, wow, that went into a completely different direction. We're getting deep on this podcast. We really are. And we are way over time. The bartender has turned the lights out on us, man. <laughs> um, all right. So how do they get a hold of us? Uh, you can email us beers and ears, 1928 at gmail.com Facebook group beers and ears podcast, Twitter and, Twitter and Instagram at beers, ears, 1928 um, Casey uh, to uh, be able to help book your trip. Uh, I, you're a sponsor of the show. I'm just calling you that now. Um, <laughs> you know, I would hope, but even if I wouldn't have a, even if I didn't have a travel agency. I'm yeah. Tech, yeah. Yeah. You and I you are know, both so, sponsors. Yeah. So there's that. Um, you can check out if you're interested in the board games that I'm playing. Sorcerer network is the name of the um, YouTube channel. Um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, five stars. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. As far as the travel agency stuff goes, guys. Um, kind of middle of summer now. Disney has got some amazing promos out right now. I just actually booked another client yesterday. A friend, hi Alyssa. Um, she's going with her mom, a little mother daughter trip to Animal Kingdom Lodge. She's only going nice. down for, for uh, five days, four nights. Um, originally she was thinking value, but the pricing on Animal Kingdom Lodge is so good this fall that the price she got it for was basically the equivalent of what a moderate resort would be with no discount at all. It was absolutely Gross. insane how she got it. <laughs> so she's doing um, two days in the parks plus a um, uh, uh, Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party with her mom. She's going to enjoy Animal Kingdom Lodge. Again, maybe you don't want to do Animal Kingdom. Maybe you want to do pop or you want to do art of animation or one of the all-stars, whatever. Let me help you. Uh, it costs you nothing extra. At the very least, are you a member of the Monday Magic Article subscription that I've got out there? It's completely free. Go to caseywoolly.com and click on Monday Magic Article sign up. Once a week on Mondays, I will send you a, a new article about best ways to plan your trip. Basically, think of it as an extension of this podcast. Matt, take a guess what the uh, article for um, this Monday is. A hint. I'm trying to I, think of like what's... I, I, I'll give you a hint. I I just kind of talked about it with that reservation that I just did. Oh, um, uh, 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 uh taking it, uh, uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge and so, what, sort how of. to choose the right hotel. There it is. Which resort is right for you? And we go through step by step the five different resort categories. Technically, Disney only has four, but there is kind of a fifth category. Um, and I go through kind of like what makes a deluxe villa hotel versus a deluxe hotel versus a moderate versus what I call a value plus and then a value hotel. So, um, if you want to sign up for that, um, 
head over to caseywoolly.com and sign up and you will get that in your inbox every Monday at 5.30 a.m. Eastern time. So, yeah. All right. We have overstayed our welcome. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. We will see you again real soon, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.